Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's very nice to see you all. Look at this excellent turnout in mid-August. Why aren't you all on holiday? Same reason I'm not, probably. It's a lot of money, isn't it? I know. But why are we talking about the beach currently? Well, there are two main reasons, and one of them is vast jealousy on my behalf. So, fair enough. You know, it's August. I'm looking at Facebook, and there are pictures of everybody at the seaside. I'm getting pictures from friends of their lovely holidays, looking at you two right now. Um, And we're just inundated with pictures of people in lovely places, and we're still here. We've got our canals, but it's not quite the same, is it? It isn't the same. And, uh, I mean, I I sent Dave an email just this week. And, you know, I got an out-of-office auto-reply from Dave. He was on holiday. And this really rubbed sea salt into the wound. And here it is. There we go. Look at that. What an out-of-office reply that is. I thought, yes, all right. Well, that's what I get for emailing him on holiday, absolutely. But there you go. So part of it is because I want to be at the beach and I'm not. So I'm (laughs) pretending that I am. But the other part of it is because it's interesting to see what Jesus gets up to when he's at the shore. Jesus seems to constantly be like on a boat or by the sea or, or getting off a boat or like, you know, he's always there. So what is going on in these places And it seems to be a place of gathering, almost. It seems to be a place where Jesus gathers people at the beach, which is quite cool, isn't it? It sets our minds to, like, campfires at the beach. That's cool. And, like, summer parties. And the beach is a place to be. But last week, we looked about how Jesus called some of his first disciples at the beach. Um, Today, we're looking about how Jesus teaches at the beach. Next week, we're looking about how Jesus feeds people at the beach and then about how Jesus just hangs out with his friends. So the beach is actually a really important part of Jesus' ministry. And so the canals of Dudley are too, I promise you. But the beach is something really interesting to look at. Now, I want you to imagine just for a minute, we're going to pretend we're at the beach. You can close your eyes if you want, but it's not going to be that immersive. Um, But (laughs) I want you to imagine that you are living in Jesus' day. And you have heard of this character, Jesus, and it's a Sunday. No imagining involved there, we're here. So, imagining that, it's a Sunday we've heard of Jesus. And we have heard the gossip of the town is that Jesus has been out healing people this very day. We've heard that in the town, he healed a man with a shriveled hand. And we knew him, we all knew Colin. He's not called that. Um, <laughs> but we all knew him, and he's like been healed now. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? And we've heard that he's healed a demon possessed man, and everybody knew that guy too. And gosh, that's really interesting. And then it's, we, we hear that he's just been in a crowd of people and healed loads of them of different illnesses. And we're like, wow, this seems like a big deal. It seems like there's something really special going on with this guy. But, you know, it's a lovely day. It's sunny. It's bright. It's breezy. And we've planned a beach day. And we're all off to the beach. So that's what we're doing. We're like, 
We'll, we'll catch up with Jesus another time. And so we've headed down to the beach. And imagine we're sunbathing. Not that we would in first century, but never mind. Um, that's what we're doing. We're enjoying the sunshine. We can hear the seagulls. And we haven't got any food with us. So the seagulls aren't going to bother us. It's okay. So we're just taking it all in. And that lovely sea air. Oh, it's so nice. And then you kind of just look over to your right. And you just see a man just sat on the beach, taking it all in. And you kind of look at him and you think, I think that might be that Jesus guy. Oh, that's weird. And you kind of nudge the person you're with and you're like, isn't, isn't that Jesus? And they go, oh yeah, I think you're right, you know. And so you kind of, the, the two of you kind of decide you might go and, and see, see what this is about. You know, you fell over earlier in the week and you got a bit of a, a gammy knee now and you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe you can sort my knee out. That would be nice. And you're like, we'll, just, we'll be friendly. And so you kind of get up and you head over. But as you do that, you suddenly realise that loads of other people have also recognised that this is Jesus and they're all racing towards him and he's just there looking out to sea. And you can imagine him look back and go, seeing this crowd approach. But anyway, this, all of you are wanting to see miracles, right? Maybe someone's got a headache. Maybe somebody's got some kind of problem. There's all sorts of illnesses, but this whole crowd are just racing to see. They all want to see Jesus. They all want to see what he can do. And so that is where we shall have our reading. And so the story continues. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches." He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And so we've sort of all crowded this guy on the beach, haven't we? And I love, I love his reaction. He just, you can imagine it going, whoa, and he just gets in a boat. I love that. And off he goes. He's like, whoa. I love it. It's like Jesus the introvert. He's got to be. And he's like, I need my personal space, guys. He'd love a church set up. I've got a lot of personal space here. He'd be quite happy with this. <laughs> but I love that that is what he does. So he kind of sets off. Into it. he's in his little boat I always picture him I'll go on the next slide John. there we go I always picture him like out there with like a megaphone <laughs> that would be me um, <laughs> but what does he do from his boat he starts telling stories and the whole crowd have gathered and they're excited because they've heard that he's been healing and he's been doing all this exciting stuff and you can feel them being like oh he's going to do more cool stuff and then he just tells stories. He just keeps on telling stories. And I don't know about you, but I 
always found that really irritating. (laughs) Now, some people will love that about Jesus, that he talks in parables, but I always thought it was really annoying because I'm sort of quite a literal person. Now, I remember we did a a team day here at Top Church. It's probably like three years ago now, and um, it was on personality types. So if you're into your Myers-Briggs, I'm an ISTJ. If you're not into your Myers-Briggs, you won't have a clue what that means, so don't worry. Um, But there was a part of it where we all looked at a picture together, and we all had to write down on a piece of paper what we saw in the picture, and then we had to get into groups of three and talk to each other about what we'd seen. And I was like, well, this is a bizarre exercise. And so I looked at this painting, and I just wrote what I saw. So I was like, well, there's nine harps, there's some people, there's some hills. Anyway, we got into our little group, and um, the person that spoke first in our groups, never me that speaks first, um, the person that spoke first went, I saw warmth and community and love. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, there were harps. What are you talking about? So like, I am very literal. So when Jesus talks in parables, I find it really annoying because I'm like, just say what you mean. Um, So if you are like that, don't worry. I have grappled with this. I've thought about it. I've read some stuff even. Um, So I think today that we can draw three things out of this. It's a good three-point sermon. It's good. I'm I'm starting 10 minutes in. (laughs) So the first point, actually, is that I think this teaches us that we need to learn to listen. Because the crowd, you know, they're crowding him literally And they want to see more miracles, don't they? But Jesus tells stories. And I think we can be like that. We can go to God knowing exactly what it is that we want from God. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with telling God exactly what you want. That is good. But the problem is when we don't want to listen to what God is saying. Because sometimes God might want to talk about something else. (laughs) And I just think that we don't always allow space for God to speak to us about what is on God's heart for us. And that's so important. It's like we get so desperate for that one thing that we fall into that trap of just not listening. It reminds me of, um, of like a toddler. So there's um, one of my godchildren. <laughs> we were out at a cafe the other week and she was given an option about what colour cutlery she had big choice she's two um and she she wanted she wanted the orange cutlery she was given the purple cutlery because the waiter misheard her fair enough her english isn't that great um so she was given the purple cutlery and i mean there's just no point in carrying on after that is there because it's just a, it's just tantrum city after that because she's got the wrong cutlery so all she's doing then is just like you know, she's getting very red-faced, she's crying, she's screaming, and it's all wrong, and all she's doing is saying, no, I want orange! And you think, oh, gosh, does it matter? But, like, she is beyond listening to anybody at that point. She is not going to listen. It doesn't matter what you say, she is not listening, because she wants the orange one. And I just feel like sometimes that is us, or at least me, Like, you know, we know what we want and we just fail to listen to what God might actually be saying to us. And maybe what matters more, dare I say it. Uh, The second point is that I think sometimes we miss God, sometimes a lot, I think we often miss God in the ordinary. 
Um, So Jesus is actually telling them something incredible. When he's telling them these parables, he's telling them something amazing. But he used everyday, really, really familiar things to them to tell them these stories. So he chose mustard plants, which grew like everywhere. They just, like people grew them in their gardens intentionally because they used the spice of the mustard plant, but they grew wildly as well and they spread so quickly. Like they would just be everywhere. So people would be so used to mustard plants and not thinking about how tiny a mustard seed is, like, like we all do because it's in the Bible, but they're just really, really used to them. They're not really thinking much about them. And the same with yeast. Bread is baked every single day. They use yeast every day to make bread. It's like they've got a sourdough starter, actually. They just feed it every day, take a little bit, make more bread. They're used to it. This is just everyday life that they don't think about. But they understand the imagery. They understand that a mustard seed is small and grows into a huge plant if you let it. They understand that you only need a little bit of yeast to make the dough rise. They understand that. But I think what Jesus is doing is highlighting that God is really present in the ordinary. That God is present in the day-to-day stuff that we just don't even think about anymore because we're so used to it. Like God is, is present in ongoing activity in the world. God's present in photosynthesis, like in how plants grow in how wonderfully they grow. We've got nothing to do with it. Like, we can water them and pretend we've got something to do with it, but we can't actually make a plant grow, can we? Not at all. Tay's shaking her head. She knows. She, she can't make a plant grow. <laughs> but God is present in that. God's even present in the fermentation of yeast for bread and beer, of course. Like, it's so present in all of these natural processes that we just don't think about at all. And I think that just like the crowd, maybe we miss that in our lives. We just totally don't see what's right in front of our faces. We're so desperate to see God in certain situations, we don't realise that God is in so much already, that it's all around us and so constant. So I wonder what it is that you miss. Where, Where is it that you're missing seeing God in the ordinary Maybe it is in the beauty of nature, because even in Dudley, there's a lot of it. We've got a lot of parks, and there's a lot of beauty. Maybe it's in food, and we eat a lot of food, right? But, like, actually, again, how do we make food? Like, we can't physically make a plant grow. It doesn't matter what you do. It's God's process. It's God that is in that. It's God that provides for us. And even down to breathing, like we don't consciously breathe. It's not something that we do as such, but like this is a God-given process. God is in it. Like how much do we miss? And so there's something about making the effort to see God in the common, in the unremarkable, in the normal, in the mundane, because that's where we can find God. And the third thing, and you'll be very familiar with this point, of course, is that Jesus highlights that actually the tiniest thing can become huge. It's about how his kingdom isn't an aggressive kingdom like the Roman Empire or even like the British government. Wouldn't like to say too much about that. But the kingdom grows 
wherever there is space for it, wherever there is space for it. And it can be a tiny amount of space. And it grows in the most unlikely places. And it can grow enormous from the tiniest, tiniest seed. And so there's something in that about how nothing in the kingdom is insignificant. Absolutely nothing. And we are all in the kingdom of God here. And so whatever it is that you do in the kingdom, it is not insignificant. Anything that we do is not insignificant at all. If you remember last week, Claire looked at at Jesus calling Simon and she said he took what Simon was already good at, which was fishing, and used the skills that he had in sharing the gospel. And this is the same. God wants to take that thing that you bring to the party, however small it is, however dull, however mundane you might think it is, whatever tiny, tiny seed it is that you might have that you can share with people, God wants to use that and wants to use it to grow his kingdom enormously. And so let's pray, and then Esther's going to lead us in a time of response for that. So God, we thank you so much for how you speak to us and how you listen to us. Jesus, we thank you for your blessings. And we pray that you would help us to learn to listen to you. We pray that we would have ears to hear your voice. That we would be able to understand what it is that you say to us. God, we pray that we would be able to see you in the ordinary, in the everyday. We pray that you would open our eyes to see you in the places that we've missed you being there. And God, we pray that we would be a people who are able to take those tiny seeds of your kingdom out into the world with us. That wherever they go, they may grow. And that we would see you in our communities. Amen.